Today on Locked on Knicks, I'm joined by Albert Gim of the No Ceilings NBA team and Draft Dak podcast to discuss his experience watching the Knicks in person at NBA Summer League and the Donovan Mitchell trade and all of its implications, its ramifications, everything occasion right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster and, of course, a long-time host of this podcast, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We're now available on all platforms, including, you know, this if you see my smiling face on YouTube, if you have not checked this out on YouTube, please, please, please do so. It's a whole lot of fun. There are angry comments. There are happy comments. There are weird comments. There's the guy who always comments in all caps. Shout out to him. Um, but Regardless, we hope you subscribe. We thank you for listening, whatever form you do. And I won't delay the inevitable because this is one of my favorite pods that I've done in the last couple of months. Had a fantastic conversation with Albert, and I'll let you listen to it right now on Locked on Knicks. All right, guys, as promised, we are joined by Albert Gim of the Draft Act podcast. Of course, No Ceilings NBA writer, a, a two-time guest now. But Albert, uh, you just told me this week you became a first-time Las Vegas Summer League participant. Um, I was telling you before, I'm jealous. I've never gotten to go. Before we, we talk about anything else in detail, I just, I just wanted to get a gauge. Uh, how was the experience? Uh, what, what, what were the highlights for you? Um, first off, great honor to be back on the Locked On Knicks podcast with you, Gavin. Um, really excited to be here. But did want to say um, it was an unbelievable experience. I think the best way to put it is if you love basketball, if you love the NBA, you need to be at Summer League at least once um, or maybe more. Uh, it was an unbelievable experience for me. Um, I remember the first day we got there, we were standing outside. We we're just waiting to get in. And just very casually, Mark Cuban just walked by on his phone talking to somebody. And he was just standing around. And it was the it was an unbelievable experience. And then we walk in to the arena. And then I saw, um, I don't know if our listeners may know, but uh, Jesse Lingard, who is a, a soccer player over in England who plays for Manchester United. Oh, wow. He was there with his posse. And then we saw Dikembe Mutombo, Nazi Muhammad, just the list goes on and on of, it's just, it's crazy because it's the whole league, all of the NBA, and it feels like both past and present, just there in one central location. Also, uh, one of the coolest things, um, Scoot Henderson, who's in contention to be the number one pick next year, he was just sitting next to us in the crowd. He was just there amongst the people, and a lot of people didn't even know who he was. And so that's what I mean. It's like past, present, and future of the NBA all in one central location was really, really cool. It's almost like it's NBA Disney World, basically. But except except it's not people in costumes. It's just it's like, oh, that's that guy. Um, Yeah, I heard on like it was um, Simmons podcast. Rusillo was talking about how like Ben Simmons is just like walking around amongst people like gambling and stuff. And it's just yeah, it's it's one of those things where like it's almost surreal, but then it almost stops being surreal because like every single guy just keeps passing you the the whole time. Uh, Sounds incredible. 
Um, I will uh, I will start off here, though, a little bit before um, Summer League, because the last time we had you on, obviously, we were talking about a whole bunch of prospects. Uh, you're a fellow Knicks fan. Um, if, if, if the people don't remember, they, they should know. That's, that's important context. Um, and we were, we were getting excited for the draft and all the possibilities the Knicks had at 11. And, and one of my takeaways was from talking to you and Corey was like, oh, wow, the Knicks really can't go wrong at pick 11. I mean, I mean, they literally could, but there, there's so many intriguing prospects here. And now a couple weeks later, we had the draft night disappointment of the Knicks not making a pick. Uh, correct me if I was wrong on this, but based on your Twitter reaction, you didn't seem thrilled about it. I definitely wasn't thrilled about it the night of. Um, today, the news breaks that the Knicks are very much in contention for a Donovan Mitchell trade, and maybe those three draft picks they acquired on draft night are are the difference makers in that kind of trade, right. or the difference makers in getting to keep uh, one of an Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly or Quinton Grimes. So all that prelude, Albert, what is your what, what are your thoughts on the Knicks draft night a couple weeks later? Um, I think the word that you used before is pretty accurate. I think in the moment, uh, disappointment was very easily what I was feeling. Um, it was really tough because, you know, as a Nick fan and as a draft nerd, draft junkie, I had spent uh, the better part of a year just, you know, preparing for that one night. And as a Nick fan, I thought us sitting at the 11th pick, I thought there were a lot of fantastic players sitting there that I thought could have really improve this Knicks team. Um, and so for me, just to go through that experience and to be very confused, and then we had the whole madness of there being like a nice 15 to 20 minute window where all, like all of Knicks nation thought that we were trading for Jaden Ivey and there was so much yeah. up in the air and a lot was going on. So to eventually end up with it being what it was, obviously was a little disappointing for me. But then again, as you mentioned, we're here now and uh, a lot has happened since. Uh, we now have a new starting point guard in Jalen Brunson, who I'm very excited about. Uh, I think Jalen Brunson makes the team better. And if we're talking about the Knicks, uh, we should be doing things to make the team better. So uh, very objectively, very simply there, I'm happy that we brought Jalen Brunson in. And then now all the talk is it seems like the Knicks are going to have the best package to offer the Utah Jazz for Donovan Mitchell. And I'm sure we're going to talk about it and I'm sure we're going to talk about the different options and the different packages and the different outcomes that might come from this. But as you mentioned, now that we're here, fast forward to today, I definitely am not feeling as dis disappointed and I am pretty intrigued to see what the, the Knicks end up doing with the draft assets and the overall young assets that they have. I guess not, not not to pull you back to a place of negativity, but on that night, I, I know your guy Johnny Davis went one pick before. Obviously, Ivy would have been the dream. But out of the guys who were available at 11 in the moment, who were you most upset that they passed on? And um, I doubt it has, but if, if anything that's happened in Summer League has changed that opinion, uh, who's that guy now for you? For sure. Uh, there are actually three guys um, that I had in mind that I really thought the Knicks should have grabbed and would have been really happy grabbing. The, actually, no. So I, I had more like four guys. Uh, the first guy that I had was Jalen Williams. And right before we started recording, I was watching the OKC Thunder play uh, the Sacramento Kings in Summer League. And Jalen Williams is a guy who I was able to interview for No Ceilings. And it was a really fun interview for me. He was a fantastic guest. Um, but he's a really cerebral player who... Um, had an incredible growth spurt 
and he was still adapting to his new body. But in college, his usage rate was really, really high. He's doing stuff on on the ball. Was an unbelievable pick and roll creator. Was a guy who plays with incredible play uh, pace. Has great vision. Could shoot both off the dribble and off the catch. So he was a guy who coming into the draft, a lot of people are like, okay, we saw that he could do stuff on the ball, but can he play off ball as well? And the thing that I think that the Thunder are doing right now that's really smart is he's getting a lot of reps off the ball and he's cutting and he's being a huge he's a great beneficiary well sorry beneficiary off of giddy catching the ball uh making cuts finishing at the rim with gigantic dunks so Jalen Williams is a guy that I really loved and three other guys that I love that I'll be really quick on Ochai Baji, an absolute winner stud athlete three-point shooter defender I thought he very easily would have been great on this Knicks team and a lot of fans may be like hey that sounds a lot like Quentin Grimes and my rebuttal to that is why would it be bad to have two guys like Quentin Grimes on this Knicks team you know a team that's lacking modern versatile wings and I thought Ochai would have been great Tari Eason is already showing out in summer league a guy who's a very versatile defender who uh, flashed some playmaking in college and is I I think going to do more of in the NBA and the last guy is a guy who I had six on my board who fell a little bit went 16th to the Hawks and AJ Griffin and I think AJ Griffin would have been a great addition considering how he was falling and it reminded me a lot of when the Knicks took Kevin Knox instead of Michael Porter Jr. So uh, those are some of the guys that I had in mind that I still think even with everything that's happening right now uh, that I still think would have been great assets to add to this Knicks roster. Absolutely fair. Tar- watching summer league, Tar Eason's been the guy for me. I mean, just that explosion, that energy, and especially considering that there's a very realistic scenario if a Donovan Mitchell trade comes to pass, one of Obi Toppin or Julius Randle will be going out in that kind of deal. It seemed like would have been he would have been an excellent supplementary piece uh, yeah. to to either of those players. Um, and yeah, just that that versatility, that tenacity, the, the right. size, the physicality, like all stuff that. The Knicks aren't necessarily lacking, but like could certainly use more of and, and something that Tibbs in particular would, would I think, borderline fetishize. And I think he would be maybe, maybe the rare rookie, even if his game isn't totally developed, that uh, would, would get some playing time. But the draft is past. The future looks bright. And uh, we'll, we'll get to the Donovan Mitchell stuff. But I think that starts first in summer league. You got to watch their first game against the Warriors in person I'm sure you were you were there with bated breath of like just incredibly excited to see all those right. guys up close, um, especially I, at least for me. I, I don't get to do it a lot because the prices <laughs> at MSG. What what were your um, what were your takeaways from watching all those dudes in person who, and who stood out to you? All right, guys, when we come back with Albert, we're going to get into a couple of other Knicks who have stood out both good and bad in NBA Summer League. But first. I want to tell you a way you can stand out in terms of your eating habits, and that is consuming as many built Bars as humanly possible. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puff treatment. That's right. The Coconut Brownie Chunk built Bar flavor you love and a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling and listen up. They're good for you as well. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious. Coconut Brownie Chunks are only here for a limited time, so go to Built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. Plus, all Built Bars contain collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Delicious coconut, sweet brownies, creamy and marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Go to Built.com right now to order. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. 
Well, um, of course, we have the three of our second second year guys. The first guy that I should definitely talk about is obviously going to be Quentin Grimes. I thought Grimes was very simply he was unbelievable. Um, he just looked like a guy who was very clearly a second year guy, but not just a second year guy, but a very good second year guy. Uh, he was playing with an, with just incredible aggression. I loved how aggressive he was. Um, just no fear at all. No hesitancy. No, you know, there, he was just absolutely locked in from day one. Uh, I loved that he took a lot of shots as well. The biggest thing that I really enjoyed about Grimes, though, is obviously, and a lot of people have already highlighted this on Twitter, but the the playmaking has been fun. And, and I like the fact that he's trying. The, the thing that stood out to me was uh, going back and watching that Bulls game. There's one set where he's running pick and roll at the top of the key with Jericho Sims, and coming off the screen, he was trying to make the weak side hit now the 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 um the bulls defender obviously was able to deflect it and it the pass didn't go through but i like that grimes has that in mind and that he's showing that growth as a playmaker and a willing playmaker as well and something that i, I want to give a shout out to uh, my co-host Corey tullaba when we were in vegas we were talking about just basketball philosophy we we're talking about shooters in general and he's talking a lot about process and that's the thing that i've really enjoyed with quentin grimes so far in summer league is that the process is good with him for him obviously Obviously, all these teams, they have the scouting report on Grimes. They know he's a great shooter. They know that they have to get out to him as a shooter. So Grimes is now leveraging that where he'll hit a three, maybe he'll he'll hit two in a row. And the next possession off the catch, it's either a head fake, pump fake, and he's going to the rim to either create for himself or to create for a teammate or to grab a foul, right? And so uh, the biggest thing that I guess the first person that I wanted to talk about obviously was Grimes because he's really showing out and, of course, the defensive stuff is just phenomenal with him. So uh, he's been kind of the, in my opinion, the, uh, the 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 shining star for the Knicks so far in summer league. Yeah, this is a it's a very lofty name to invoke, and I, I don't think there's anything close to a, a player comp there because this guy's in a different stratosphere. But I was lucky enough, like my junior year of college at Arizona State, eight blocks away from uh, it's it, the name is always changing, but where the Suns Arena, uh, it was Devin Booker's rookie year, mm -hmm. and with Grimes, I just see a lot of similar confidence. Where the Knicks clearly told him going into this summer league. Hey, you're going to be the number one guy. It's almost, I, I made this reference in another podcast, but it, it's reminiscent of like when Miami, I think they'd make Duncan Robinson run or do push-ups whenever he, he like skipped taking like a wide open 30 footer. And I right. feel like Grimes has the same mandate from the Knicks and he's just so clearly embraced that and played with that type of confidence where he says like, look, I could miss, I think in that Warriors game, like he missed his first couple of threes, yeah. but there's, there's zero fear of saying, Oh, I'm just not going to shoot the rest of the game. It's like, no, I'm, probably one of the 50 or so best three-point shooters on planet earth <laughs> just gonna keep firing them up again and again and again and again and they're, and they're going to go down at a high rate and, and then just the functional strength around the rim where it feels like right. I'm, I'm curious if you've seen this too but like it feels like in summer league especially he gets a guy in his hip and and he's just he's finishing every single time and in transition he's seeking out contact which maybe he did a little bit as a rookie obviously just because of the finite number of games the finite number of on-ball reps you didn't get to see a ton of that but I it, it bodes well to me for a guy who could make a leap in his second year and then defensively I mean this is something we saw a ton as a rookie but just how strong his hands are and it feels like anytime just his fingers touch the ball it, it's like they're stick him on it and, and he's, he's mm -hmm. going to knock it away or he's going to tip a pass or he's going to get a steal and maybe maybe a more realistic like ceiling comp for him again not the exact same type of player but do you think 
it's plausible there could be a Desmond Bain second year like leap. And, and look, that's lofty stuff. I mean, Bain was one of the more efficient 20 point scorers in basketball last year. Obviously one of the best sophomores in the entire NBA. There's still that's that's especially considering all the scoring the Knicks potentially could have next year. That's a lot to put on Quentin Grimes. But do you think it's plausible he's that caliber of player or, or do you think the, the, the thing to look out for for him is, is sort of more like elite role player type play from him next season? I, I think um, I think that's a really tough question just because there's so much that's unknown right now with this Knicks roster. Um, obviously, we're going to get to Donovan Mitchell later, but if that goes through, and there's so many different variables that go into what his role is going to be like, and more, more specifically, what he's going to be asked to do. But I, you know, I, I love that we're thinking in that stratosphere though with the names that you mentioned, whether it's a Desmond Bain or whatever. Um, I, I think elite role player is. I think where he's going to end up, but I can totally see an argument where someone may get a little wild and say that he could be even more than that and be like a number one, number two option one day. I don't think I'm there uh, because with Grimes, I do love, I want to give him credit. His handle does look much improved, even in summer league. It, it's it's great to see that he's being aggressive with the ball in his hands. Um, there's still little th things that I, th I think he needs to work on, like especially with his jump shot. I know... Uh, he's very highly regarded as a shooter, but his shooting is not perfect, in my opinion. Uh, even coming out of college, I was really critical of him because when you watch his misses, all of his misses were coming from when he was shooting on the way down and he was missing short on a lot of his jumpers. And that's something that you still see in Summer League as well. But the thing that I do like that you mentioned earlier is transition and the pace, right? The, the Summer League Knicks are playing with great pace, and I think a big part of that is they've empowered Jericho Sims to grab and go. And that's something that's been a nice, really interesting wrinkle with this Summer League Knicks team in that uh, Sims is grabbing and he's flying in the air for these rebounds and he's running it up the court and, the, and getting the Knicks pushing and attacking the defense before they're actually set. So uh, watching Grimes play with that type of freedom and pace and aggression has been a lot of fun, but ultimately what his production is going to be like in year two, I think is going to be heavily dependent on how this roster kind of shakes up. Yeah, and it's I, I guess this this could lead us in a in a Donovan Mitchell-y uh direction, but in, in in my mind, and I've seen people try and throw out scenarios where you avoid this, you're not getting away, assuming RJ Barrett isn't in the trade, of course, without trading one of Emmanuel quickly, Quinton Grimes, or Obi Toppin. And I think I'm still higher overall on Emmanuel quickly as a player, even if just by a little bit. But the point I've been driving home all day is like you cannot afford to give Quentin Grimes up in a Donovan Mitchell trade. If you're going to have a Jalen Brunson Mitchell backcourt, he is the guy that you want as the third player in that mix. Obviously, RJ Barrett would likely be starting there, but I, I want him in that rotation somehow. I want him getting opportunities to play with both those guys in terms of someone who, who could probably guard up a position and, and guard some small forwards. Obviously, they're, they're super big alpha wings that would give him trouble, but those are the guys that give everyone in the NBA trouble, but just what he represents defensively as a shot maker, as someone who, to your point with, with that improved handle, with that improved ability to attack closeouts, um, getting to go against scrambled defenses over and over again. When you have someone like Donovan Mitchell, who, who can put defenses in a bind that I don't know, the Knicks haven't had since uh, you could say mellow, you could say Marbury, you could say even further back than that. Like yeah. he, he's someone who I think playing off of that kind of talent, if the Knicks are theoretically able to get him can really, really, really benefit both just as an off-ball shooter, but also someone who can attack and make the next pass. But I, I want to touch on an, another Nick Summer League guard, Albert, and that is Deuce McBride, who yeah. has, has sort of flashed the skills that made him dominant in the G League last year, namely like elite pull-up shooting, fantastic point of attack defense. 
but also um, to some extent. And, and and look, look, you could you could go to the second half of that last game. They hadn't even showing bits and pieces of this, but still seems to struggle a bit in terms of his confidence driving to the rim. Uh, what did you see from him in person? And and what have you seen from him watching the last couple of games on television? I think overall, it's it's really funny. When you start to juxtapose Grimes with McBride, I wouldn't go so far as to say that they're polar opposites or like miles and miles away from each other. But the best way that I would characterize McBride as a prospect is he's still a little rough around the edges. I, I think Grimes is a little bit more polished, a little bit more ahead in terms of being uh, ready to be a producer and a contributor to like a playoff contending type of team. But with McBride... He's definitely still a rough around the edges. And I think the biggest area where we see that is in his decision-making. Um, I like that he is a willing passer. I love that. Um, however, uh, I've, in my opinion, I think some of the reads that he's making are a little bit on the slower side. Um, and because he's a little bit slower with the processing and the reads that he's making, he ends up trying to compensate with the slower reading of things by zipping passes into tight windows. Now, sometimes it works, right? And sometimes you get a really nice highlight worthy type of play but also a lot of times when you're slow in your processing and and you're reading and you try to overcompensate with velocity on passes and trying to make something out of nothing you end up with mistakes and you end up with turnovers and you end up uh leading to things that are you know not ideal and so that part of his game i think he's still a little rough around the edges for sure um as you mentioned i like the pull-up shooting i like that he took a lot of threes in that warriors game i think he like he went three for ten and people may be like all right that's a low percentage whatever but i like the confidence i like that he took them some of the threes that he took were at, like at the shot and into the shot clock so we're not like the cleanest looks and the most ideal situation, but he did hit some nice ones and, you know, in the, in the bulls game as well. And the blazers game as well. So he is still very much a developmental type of guard. But the interesting thing for me that I did want to talk about was for as good as McBride has looked and, you know, he's developing, there's another guard on that Knicks team in summer league that Nick fans should be really intrigued about. And that's Jan Montero. Uh, Jan Montero is a guy that maybe a lot of Nick fans are not very familiar with, but he's a guy who played internationally in Spain and then played in the overtime elite this past season and then entered into the draft, ended up going undrafted. But I can tell you this, he's a guy that I watched a little bit of before the draft, you know, obviously we're a draft website, uh, but watching him live was a very different experience because Montero is a guy that I think Tibbs is absolutely going to fall in love with. And the reason why is he is a absolute problem defensively montero is small he's probably around six wins six two but classically tibbs likes those smaller guards who can defend who can be feisty and montero is one of those guys he has ridiculously quick hands and strong hands and he's going to be uh, a really strong heady uh annoying type of defender and then offensively it like the shooting if that comes around like a lot of people think it might uh, he's a really good playmaker and a guy who can actually uh, make decisions for you on offense. So for the Knicks fans out there who are not very familiar with Montero, I would say keep him on your radar because he can very easily be like a John Lucas type of guy that Tibbs just falls in love with. And, and you know, a lot of Knicks fans are not going to be familiar with, but ends up in the rotation. So uh, he's a guy from Summer League that if you aren't very familiar with, keep an eye out for him. 
Yeah, I, I've been calling him Gene this whole time, so you could tell he's been unheralded, <laughs> at least on this podcast. My, my apologies on that. But yeah, I've, I've, I've liked some of the flashes I've, I've seen from him as well. And uh, yeah, good, good name to know. Uh, another one that you've mentioned is Jericho Sims, who yeah. to me, I mean, neck and neck with Quentin Grimes is the most impressive guy this summer league. I love the work that he did as a rookie, but it, it's clear that um, – some of the the tendencies we saw from him last summer league in a good way in terms of him being aggressive and trying to expand his game that he just didn't get to flash in, in the NBA because he was playing limited minutes and so hard. I mean, you're an undrafted rookie. You're, you're fighting for your basketball life. You don't want to say, hey, let me let me test out this thing. I've tried in practice a couple of times where I go off a rebound and I, I try and take it up the court and I try and go one on one like 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 you, you screw that up. We've seen it with Obi Toppin, who. Far right. from being, or sorry, not undrafted, the 58th pick in the draft, but Obi Toppin, far from being undrafted, the eighth pick in the draft, he tried stuff and basically been said, nope, you're banned for the rest of the game. Sorry, too bad. Um, and, and with Jericho, I feel like he he just kind of stuck to his bread and butter um, during the NBA season. But we saw flashes in the G League of him having a willingness to grab a rebound and take it up the court. Now he's taking yeah. up the court and he's he's trying to go one-on-one -on -one and draw a foul. He's trying turnaround jumpers. He, he's flashing, as he did last summer league, really good touch around the rim with that little jump hook. Uh, yeah. What have you seen from him so far? Because to me, um, that would be something as a Knicks fan that I'm, I'm I'm somewhat tantalized by. And I think down the road, as much as I love Mitchell Robinson, as much as I'm, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic that we can see more from Mitch offensively, I think Jericho has already shown a little bit more in terms of an expansive offensive game beyond just being a fantastic rim runner. And when you have potentially such a skilled foreman in Obi Toppin, but, but a guy who still is at his best, a rim roller, not that Sims is ever going to shoot, but having a skilled five. And, and this is, I, I think what's great about having Isaiah Hartenstein in there, having mm -hmm. a skilled five next to Obi Toppin feels so important and could make the Knicks really interesting down the road. If that guy is also as dynamic defensively as Sims is. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think, as I mentioned before, the grab-and-go stuff has been really fun and really awesome to watch and obviously gets them going and ha helps them play with pace and, and just attacking the defense. Um, defensively, he's moving his feet really, really well. But to go back to your point, I think offensively, the thing that I've really enjoyed so far is he's setting good screens. Uh, as much as I like Mitchell Robinson, some of the issues that we have with Mitch at times is sometimes he sets absolutely terrible screens or non-existent screens, you know? And the thing with Sims that I love a lot is if you watch in Summer League, he's getting a lot of open looks for Grimes and McBride off of these really nice dribble handoffs and just straight up setting rock solid screen. So that's been really, really fun to watch with him. Obviously he's working hard on the offensive boards and stuff like that. But if I can, uh, one little critique that I have of Sims is that at times I think his hands can be a little shaky. Uh, there were a couple possessions where Grimes or McBride would throw him just absolute dimes and, you know, he would kind of fumble the bag and not be able to finish. So uh, I, I'm with you. I'm really excited about Sims and the way that he plays. But I think sometimes his hands can be shaky. And then defensively, another critique that I have, uh, just to kind of give you kind of, you know, a, 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 some understanding of why I feel this way. We were watching the Cavs and Spurs play in the smaller gym. Uh, I think it's the pavilion, whatever it's called. Um, Ochai Abaji playing for the Cavs. You could literally hear him calling out everything and just being an unbelievable communicator on that side of the ball. Sims at times, though, watching him play for the Knicks, um, I would like him to be a little bit more vocal. Like, I know that that's not really in his character. He seems like a very quiet to himself, introverted type of guy. But on the defensive end, I would like him to talk a little bit more. I think that communication piece is really important from the bigs. You know, I, I think they should be calling things out uh, very readily and being, uh, you know, 
kind of the quarterback of the defense at times, you know, calling things out. So uh, I would like a little bit more growth from him in those areas, but I'm with you. There's a lot to be excited, especially considering he was a 58th pick in the draft and what we saw in year one and what we're already seeing in summer league. Uh, he gets up in the air really effortlessly. And it's not just how high he's getting, but how quickly he gets there. So uh, Sims has been an absolute delight to watch. So I'm, I, I agree with everything that you said. Yeah, if I if I can tack on uh, one more critique, which I hate to do as a, as a founding yeah. member of the Jericho Sims fan club, but I want to see him continue to get more aggressive around the rim. I noticed yeah. this a lot last year where, where people were like initially very complimentary of this skill, but then it sort of became like, all right, you're overdoing it, where he'd get a rebound and he would just zip the ball out to a three-point shooter. I was like, oh, wow, Mitch. And, and, and to Mitch's credit, he got a little better at this as the season went on. But my first thought was, oh, man, Mitch never does this. That's so satisfying to see him looking out for three-point shooters. And then at a certain point, you're like, Dude, you're seven feet. You're strong. You can jump higher than basically anyone in the league. You gotta, you gotta flush that on someone's head and make fun yeah. of them after. And and we've seen that in in summer league a little bit. Where I think it was, it might have been the first play of that Bulls game or the first play of that last game where against Portland where he caught it on a short roll and, and kicked it out to Ron Hunt for a three. And it was yes. Hunt was wide open and Hunt drained the three. But he had two smaller guys on him, and part of me was just like, dude, just just go up, just just yeah. yam that. Um, and I want to see just a little, even if it's occasionally the wrong play, I want a little bit more of that tenacity around the basket. I think that could do him some good. Um, Albert, the last guy I want to touch on, but then let me know if there's anyone else that stood out to you is Ferran Hunt, obviously someone who projects as sort of the last guy on this Knicks roster, not someone who's going to play a ton of minutes this year, but I mean, he's, he's just had some insane flashes of athleticism. I believe setting the summer league steals record in that second game against the bulls has looked really, really good in transition is big is long has, has hit a couple nice threes. What, what, what have you seen from him so far? No, I'm with you. Like that first game just came yeah. out against the Warriors and had seven steals, which was phenomenal. He was flushing everything. Uh, he was out. He was running out in transition, had that really nice windmill dunk. Right. So obviously all that stuff is great and it, it is exciting. My only thing with Hunt is, is he ever really going to be able to shoot? is a question with him. I know he's hit a couple threes, so I don't want to say he's like an absolute nightmare of a shooter, but if you watch the shot and you watch the process and all that stuff, uh, he's not a strong shooter yet by any means. So if Hunt can keep developing that jump shot and be a threat out there, then obviously we're talking about a very different player. But considering his size, athleticism, his defensive instincts, and all that stuff, I can understand why he's on a two-way contract with his Knicks team. However, I think there's still a long way to go. So I won't go too long on Hunt. I, I, I Obviously, you love the effort. You love the athleticism. You love the production so far. But in terms of the next level, like the NBA game, I still think there's a lot more that he needs to prove offensively before we can actually count him to be like a rotational guy. Yeah, I think that's that's entirely reasonable. And, and the place I wanted to wrap up is on Donovan Mitchell. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll throw you the, the the package I threw out on, on the pod earlier today, and you can let me know what you think. Uh, my big thing is I'm not – I mean, not that – I don't think the Knicks are anyways. I'm not, I'm not trading R.J. Barrett for him. And I think you you got to strike that perfect balance of you don't want to give up all your picks and you also you want to leave a team intact that is is ready to compete. So what I had and who knows if this gets it done is Emmanuel quickly, Julius Randle, Cam Reddish, the Knicks 2023 first round pick unprotected 
the 2023 Dallas pick, the 2023 Wizards pick, the 2023 Pistons pick, the 2025 Bucks pick, the Knicks 2025 first round pick unprotected and swap rights in 2026. And if you're the Knicks, you can look at that and say, you're trading one really good young piece of manual quickly. You're trading a mystery box in Cam Reddish. You're trading Julius Randle, who you probably don't want anymore anyways. Utah is probably looking to reroute Randle somewhere else for a first round pick in that scenario. Or maybe that guy is Evan Fournier instead of Julius Randle in that position. And if you're the Knicks, you're only giving up two of your own picks. You're giving up one swap and and you walk away with a Donovan Mitchell. And, and part of me looks at that and says, all right, it's like, it's objectively maybe a little bit less than the Rudy Gobert return, which seems like too little on paper. And Donovan Mitchell is, is a pretty incredible offensive player. If not a guy who absolutely changes your championship equity from day one, I, I think if anything throughout this whole process, and obviously it's an expanse interest to do this, he's maybe been a little bit underrated. This is a dude who just as recently as two seasons ago, I think many people still considered on track with the Jason Tatum type of guy. And rightfully so, we just had these incredible playoff performances early in his career. Very real questions about his defense, particularly next to Jalen Brunson. But I, I see a tandem there it would, that Tom that isn't that different than what Tom Thibodeau has had the last couple of years on the defensive end and has still struck together top five defenses. So I'll, I'll throw that all to you, Albert. Where, where are you at on a theoretical Mitchell trade? Do you think it, it's sort of a situation where the Knicks just they can't be picky and they have to take a star when he's available, even if you have to give up an insane amount to get him? Or are you kind of biding your time and saying, all right, who else is going to really beat the Knicks on a better offer? Whew, uh, there's a lot there and in what question, you said. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But I think the best place for me to start is I like Donovan Mitchell a lot. Um, obviously, he had a rough go in the playoffs this past season, but we have to remember, and this is something that I think I think sometimes people can overrate, people can underrate, it can, it's kind of all over the place. Donovan Mitchell's 25 years old, and I think that's really important for us to put out there. Um, I'm actually not as worried about the defense uh, with him next to Brunson because my thing is uh, Donovan Mitchell has carried the load offensively for that Utah Jazz team for a long time, and he has been the main sole creator on that team. I mean, when Ingles was healthy, obviously he was doing some secondary tertiary stuff for them, Jordan Clarkson, um, Mike Conley, whatever, but he his his usage rate was really high on the Utah Jazz team. On this Knicks team with a Jalen Brunson, with an R.J. Barrett, I think things will look a little bit different for him. And be, with the scheme that Tibbs has, I think Tibbs will push him to obviously guard and defend at a higher level than he has in recent seasons. So I'm not that worried about that. And I, also, the most important thing, him coming home, I think, re will rejuvenate him a lot, too. You know, obviously, he was at the Met game a couple weeks ago. New York is near and dear to his heart. So playing for uh, this city will mean a a lot to him for sure in terms of where i think things get a little tricky tricky um i know a lot of team oh, sorry a lot of nick fans out there are very wary of putting quickly in a trade package because there are a lot of nick fans who love emmanuel quickly and i understand that my only issue is this the profile of player that you're trading for in donovan mitchell and the role that quickly is going to play in because we just signed Jalen Brunson to be a starting point guard. We still have Derrick Rose on this roster. Quickly is a third guard on this team. And so the fact that you're going to be able to package a third guard with other pieces, of course, to get back a Donovan Mitchell to be your starting shooting guard is the price that you have to pay. And you mentioned 
the Fournier part, the Randall part, whatever, there clearly is going to have to be like a three teamer here. I think where I think Randall or Fournier goes out to another team and, you know, picks move and whatever. But in the scenario that you gave, the thing that I don't mind too much is that essentially the Knicks are only giving up three of their own picks. Um, 2023 pick, as you mentioned, and then uh, I think you said 25. Yeah, 2025 and a pick swap right. in 26. Maybe maybe you have to throw a 27 in there. I don't know. Right. And, and I think that's not a crazy price tag. And yeah. as we mentioned before, all the first round picks that are protected but are still draft capital that they picked up but with that trade with um, uh, Oklahoma City and Detroit or whatever, um, I think all of that can create a package that makes sense. But as you mentioned, I'm with you. I think they absolutely cannot put RJ Barrett in that trade. And I think that'll be if they can pull off this trade without putting RJ Barrett in there. That's a win for me. I I think that's a really savvy move, a smart move by the Knicks. And once again, like it's not every day that you find a 25 year old guard out there. Now you people might laugh at me and be like, well, DeJounte Murray was just on the market a couple of weeks ago. That's fine. But okay. Mitchell's on the market right now. Who after that? We don't know. Right. And I think considering his, his age and the pedigree and the fact that he's from New York and all these different and, and the packages that are going to be out there. I would have no problem trading for Donovan Mitchell, and I'm not that worried about the fit either. So if the Knicks end up with Donovan Mitchell with the package that you talked about, I think this is a really intriguing, fun team in the East that could actually make some noise. I'm, I wouldn't go so far as saying that this would make them title contenders. I'm actually absolutely not there, but we will be a significantly better team in my opinion. Yeah, and I think the point of this kind of trade is there's still enough there that if another star becomes available down the road, um, and whether that's in free agency and you need assets to move off certain guys to create cap space, or it's via trade, the Knicks, I mean, it could it could just be R.J. Barrett. It could be Obi Toppin playing with those guys could become a hyper-efficient 18-point-per-game scorer and like a right. really, really valuable asset. You have that other guy there that, or, or maybe it's Brunson, but you, you have enough there that like you can put together two, three guys in a trade for that mega, mega star if he's right. available um, to complement Donovan Mitchell and become legitimate championship contenders while in the meantime, having a pretty darn good team. And I know sometimes that I, I'm very much guilty of it. Sometimes that gets lost in the discourse. There, there's value in being a very good basketball team. My life would be a lot happier if the Knicks were went from a, a, a fun, if, if, if bad basketball team to a very good basketball team, that right. is a significant jump. And even if they don't have championship equity, that's not a team. I mean, it's, it's cliche to say, but that's not a team you want to see in the first round, right? That is a right. lot of firepower. That is two very savvy guards. I mean, we saw Mitchell again with zero help very early in his career, not necessarily pushing teams to the brink, but throwing yeah. some haymakers against some, some great Rockets teams. And then that Nuggets team in the bubble right. and on and on and on and on. I mean, the dude is an absolute killer whatever his flaws are i mean one of the best pull-up three-point shooters in the nba one of the best young scorers in the nba um right. who's gone toe-to-toe with, with some of the best in the league so i'm i'm like you those guys don't grow on trees the the perfect star trade is is somewhat of a myth it, it's once yeah. every every decade every every five years you can't you can't wait forever on it this might be the next window the question is like does danny ainge push them to that breaking point where it's just too much or does the market dictate that uh, that's not the situation in the Jazz with a young coach coming in, already having traded Rudy Gobert, a, a scenario where Mitchell opts or asks out early in the season, his value goes down right. slightly more. There, there should there there should be urgency on both sides, and I think there's a middle ground here in a trade. It's just it's just kind of both teams finding it. Agree, I, I 100% agree, and it's 
like you said, these guys don't come around all the time and it feels like they do, but it's not always the case. And so I, look, we've stacked up these assets for a reason. Obviously we have ties with Donovan Mitchell. Um, I, I just, I think it's going to happen. Honestly, like if you were to ask me, is it going to happen? I'm starting to really believe that it might actually happen. And if it does, I think it'll be really, really exciting. I'll very quickly be buying my Donovan Mitchell jersey as soon as possible. And I'll be excited because as you said, if the Knicks are a better team, then Nick fans should be happy. And, and I know like uh, we as Nick fans love to be miserable and we find ways to be miserable. But guys, like if we can end up with Donovan Mitchell, it, we should be pretty excited about it. And as you said, you got to give up good to get good is how the world works. It's not just basketball. The world works that way. Um, it's very hard to get good without giving up anything. So uh, the Knicks are going to have to give up some assets here. But Mitchell is a great bet to take because, as I mentioned, he's really good and he's only 25. So uh, I think it's worthwhile for sure. All right, Albert, I, I hope to see you in that Mitchell jersey uh, next time you're on the podcast. But uh, before I let you go, man, can you can you tell everyone where, where they can find all, all of your great work? And and I, I said it last time you and Corey were on. I said last time Corey was on. I mean, no ceilings, turning out uh, some of the best draft coverage out there, period. Uh, you and Corey, huge parts of it. Um, it. Loved having you on last time, loved having you on this time. But one final time, where, where can people find all, all the great work you guys do? Yeah, for sure. You can find us on Twitter at No Ceilings NBA. We have our YouTube channel as well. No Ceilings uh, TV is where you can find us. And then our Substack, um, you know, uh, is available as well. I'm on the Draft Act NBA podcast with Corey. Uh, that's a pod that we do every week. We're actually off this week because uh, Corey and I just got back from Vegas and our wives uh, need to spend more time with us. And so <laughs> I, I'm kind of breaking the rule here and snuck away to do this pod with yeah, you really quick. It, but I, it means a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm always willing to jump on with you guys in the Lockdown Knicks podcast. We love what you guys are doing. Uh, me being a Nick fan my whole life to be able to be a guest on a Nick podcast is always uh, surreal and very humbling. So uh I love being on and I can't wait to be back with you. All right. Thanks so much, Albert. And thanks to all of you who tuned in. We will be back with much more coverage, maybe a couple of special guests, in in including uh, maybe our boss, David Locke, Utah Jazz broadcaster, who talked some crap about a Donovan Mitchell trade last time around. We'll, we'll, we'll see if he, if he wants to come back on now. We're, we're, we're trying to get him, but uh, we'll, we'll talk to you all soon. Until then, be good. Peace out. Enjoy the rest of your week.